ladies yeah. and gentlemen, welcome to the PNC Progression Lesson Podcast. I'm not doing anything this week. I'm your host, Ellie Wuthnella. He's the man that's always piercing barriers, Ben Pierce. And Ben, how's it going? Not bad, man, considering we had an hour plus delay getting on here because of technical issues. But we are here, and I hear you loud and clear. So. Fucking fuckers. <laughs> I don't yeah, know so, what to say. Uh, it, yes, well, tell Zoom to stop updating itself, and then we won't have a fucking problem. Now, it, it's, inter- it, it's interesting because I originally told you had a message me that you couldn't get into the room, and for some reason, I, I couldn't figure out why, because I never changed any password. However, I went to click invite to send an invite to you to join the room, and the password was changed. Oh, God. I don't understand if uh, Zoom <sighs> updated something or what, but it was just weird. It was painful, ladies and gentlemen. But- yeah, it was, we are here. We did not give up on yes. the show early evening because we have one hell of a show for you. Pardon I mean, the pun. I mean, and uh, my co-host can even know it because I was wearing like a bitch during the whole time that we were trying to figure this out with the, the these fucking fuckers, as my co-host likes when I say. Yeah, I was that, that Canadian accent did me in on that one. <laughs> like I told him to shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, now that all of the uh, technological issues have been taken care of, Let's shift our attention to other issues, such as Monday Night Raw. Well, hold on. How was your week? Uh, my my week was just I uh, was just fine. It was a little uh, it was a little boring, but I got some good workouts in, and I caught up on some sleep, which is always a good combination. I uh, I'm hey, not sure. Hey, hold on. Let me ask you. Did you convert your wheelchair to a hoverboard? I I really wish I could. I, if that was physically possible. Well, because, because October 21st, you know what day that was, right? Absolutely, I know what day that, that was. That was Back to the Future Day. I thought you'd be you'd be cruising all over the city on your uh, hover chair. <laughs> oh my God, how cool would that be? <laughs> God. You know what? That future looks so much. That future looks so much better than the than the nightmare we're living in that right now. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. This uh, this extended uh, COVID situation is quite interesting. It's actually this podcast is. Go ahead. Oh, go on. I was just. Right. I said that this um, this COVID situation really has just gone on way too long, in my opinion. And uh, quite frankly, this podcast has become a saving grace because if I didn't have this, where I could talk to somebody on a consistent basis, it, I think I'd be 
going even more crazy than I already am. And, and so. I love how people are still saying that it's it's nothing, and they're not wearing masks, well, and, they're, you know, and they're having these large parties. You know, I don't understand. Well, you know, I I don't either, but at, but at the same time. It's just, uh, it, it, it's very interesting because I think, I think human, human nature is being exposed in a lot of different ways. So, well, I, uh, I had an interesting week actually. Um, I've been catching up on movies. I, I was watching earlier. <clears throat> Hold on. I was watching earlier, I was having an Alfred Hitchcock marathon, so I was watching Dial M for Murder. Because I'm just a weird, I'm just a weird person. <laughs> no, I've actually seen that, man. Oh! Um, oh! Cause, anyway, uh, what do you think? I actually really liked it, because mm -hmm. I, um, I saw it in one of my film classes in college. Damn. I wish I were in your, I, I wish I were in your film class. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I had I had two separate film classes in nice. college. So I'm guessing everything was all, all your classes were you watch films uh, for the whole uh, period or for the whole uh, class. Uh, yeah, movies? pretty much. That's so yes. cool. So yes, cool. and when, then we would then we would write r reports on each movie. Oh, that, so, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think we had tests. I think it was just the reports on the movies. Fuck, I, I get I get an A plus in that class. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I did because it was just. I could have, I could have skated through that thing, but it was it was a lot of fun. All right, but uh, that's uh, for another podcast. We are here to talk about the weekend wrestling and Ben. <laughs> I know you were telling me off air about what you your thoughts on Raw. God, it was it was it was so atrocious. Yeah, that yeah. show needs to. Divine intervention. I just, I don't understand for the life of me what they are doing with that show. I no, mean, we, they have bastardized it to a, go ahead. No, what do you say? We get into uh, our uh, first review, which is Monday Night Raw. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you cut off for a second so I can hear you. All right, so Monday Night Raw. Uh, <laughs> let's see what we got here. So we open um, with uh, the Hurt Business taking on Retribution. But however, prior to that, we got a, a cool entrance by The Fiend. I actually like that entrance. Yeah, I do too. But my only question regarding the Fiend's entrance is, why is it wasted on just random episodes of SmackDown and Raw? Like, why not just save that entrance, like for um, pay-per-views and stuff? Like, uh, right. make it special, like, you know, like uh, you know, Finn Balor's demon was intended to be. 
why don't they just uh, why don't they just not have the fiend? Why don't they just have like Bray Wyatt is somewhere in the middle of the show and save the fiend for like pay-per-views and stuff like that? Yeah, I, well, I would agree with you, but um, I I don't think that they can do that now, especially with um, Alexa Bliss's involvement. And I do I do enjoy Alexa Bliss's involvement in in the character, um, but I just feel like there's so much damage that has been done to to the fiend in general that I'm not sh- I'm not sure it can even be resuscitated at this point. Okay, so we had so we had the hurt business defeating Retribution, and uh, of course, the fiend took out all the members of Retribution. Okay, can okay stop right there because okay. I, I I have to I have to dissect just how stupid this Retribution storyline has been, which which in, in my opinion. Every, everything came down to the last week with the hurt business destroy uh, destroying retribution. Okay, so from the get go, we have this Antifa like story storyline where um, this group of disenfranchised individuals. Come in here, raise hell, and they tip over cars, and we and we don't know what's going on, and they set electrical equipment on fire and sabotage the show, and blah blah blah. And then, for for like seven or eight weeks, we don't get a damn bit of explanation as to what the fuck is going on. They just continue doing whatever they're doing, and then. And then it is finally revealed that Mustafa Ali is the leader of Retribution, which, which by itself, that decision I was a massive fan of. Beautiful decision. Nobody has better cause to be pissed off at WWE at this point, other than the fans, than Mustafa Ali. Wonderful work. The problem is, the following week, we don't get any explanation as to why he is the leader of Retribution. As a matter of fact, he's not even on the show. Then we, then we get to last week, and Retribution is entirely destroyed by the Hurt Business, thereby they, they don't even pose a threat to anybody because that's the level to which they, they were decimated. All right. So it's just it's absolutely it's absolutely asinine what they have done to this to this group. Now, in my opinion, retribution was doomed to fail from the beginning. You know, and they're trying to tie up loose ends by you know tying in the hacker storyline from smackdown over the summer by having ali reveal that he was a hacker well no shit everybody well, well, knew that well, what's the point and you drop you drop the storyline yeah what's the point yeah well i 
I don't know. That's why I'm. That's why I'm saying. I think they they were trying to tie up loose ends and salvage this whole storyline. Yeah, it's too late. We don't um, care. Now I now. Well, and that's the that's the problem exactly because, you know, the the promo that uh, Mustafa Ali cut uh, last week um, was was a really good promo. Um, of course, this was after the fact that they got destroyed, so I didn't really care about the promo, uh, even though it was a good promo. But. Um, but my but my thing my thing with that is even that promo didn't answer the question that I wanted to know like why why did Mustafa Ali form Retribution? I mean it's just so even even when we get an answer it's not a full answer you know and it's just we're we're two months plus in on retribution and that pardon the pun but there has been precious little uh progression in that storyline and it's just gotten to the point where um i don't care anymore because that's how that's how uninvested i am in in the um in the story so you know all right this this has just been a massive swing and a miss and if this is if this is what WWE calls creative nowadays, we got a fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on uh, next match, we had Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles. AJ Styles has a new bodyguard. It's that guy uh, who was uh, standing guard outside the door for Raw Underground. Yeah, now I'm not gonna attempt to butcher his his last name because I'm uh, not even sure how to pronounce it. Jordan, but um, Jordan it was Omo, um his first name is Jordan Omobehin. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, your your attempt is just as ambitious and and probably uh, probably more accurate than mine would have ever been. So we'll go with that. And uh, actually, uh, um, the, this guy was uh, on the roster of NXT Light when uh, they would have their live shows. He was uh, he teamed up with Bronson Reed. Um, oh well, that's good enough. And one of the reports that I've uh, that I've heard recently is the reason why they didn't have him debut on the main NXT is because they were worried about him getting exposed. Because from an in-ring perspective, uh, he doesn't have it yet. Yeah, because I, you know how I always do my indie spotlight things. Um, yeah. I just I just went to look up information on this guy, and uh, he only had like probably uh, one or two matches, but they were all tag matches with Bronson Reed, and they were on the live events. Yeah, so it it's gonna be um, it's gonna be very interesting because. Unless unless he can improve in the ring, I see a very limited ceiling for him. But it, it was interesting because, um, to, to your point, I did look him up and I found um, something interesting. He, uh, he played basketball at two colleges, and one of them was actually in my home state. It was, uh, it was Morgan State University, and that's in uh, – 
that's in Maryland, uh, close to me. So now, apparently, do you, do you also recognize him from from being on Raw before? Because do you remember when they brought in that tall guy to play one of Tazawa's ninjas? Yeah, that was him. Well, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know because I could, you couldn't even see him clearly for how dark it was. But yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is so stupid. All right, so it, it really uh, is. Yeah, so our next match for the Raw Women's Championship: Oscar defeating Lana. Uh, well, I, once again, <clears throat> let me clear my throat for this. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to reiterate a theme from last week's show, and that is that Lana was drafted before Andrade. Well, actually, yeah, Andrade uh, didn't uh, add him to the draft because I think he, he was already going to be taking time off. Well, I mean, the, but why doesn't Andrade get a spot on the draft? Like, are you kidding me? Well, because I think he was taking time off. So that's why I'm there. I think that's why they didn't uh, put him in at making part well, of the Explain that. At the very least, explain that. You know, don't don't leave him in limbo. I know, yeah, it's weird. It's just stupid. Like, at least, like, say that uh, um, he'll be back. I guess they're going to make him a free agent, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. So so back back to Lana now that now that, that piece has been uh piece has been off my chest now. No thanks to um, WBE. So last week you have Lana win this ridiculous um battle royal to get an opportunity for the women's champion. Oh, that wasn't ridiculous, that was awesome. I enjoyed that battle royal. Oh fuck right off! <laughs> I just I, I have to. I don't know. I just have to. Okay, go on. Our audience is gonna think you're serious, and they're gonna turn us <laughs> off. What the stop, ladies and gentlemen? I, ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, Elio is being facetious. He doesn't mean it. We are both in mutual agreement. That Lana sucks. Just to clarify. So, but help me understand the logic. Because obviously, Asu is going to beat Lana regardless. Okay? The talent disparity is, is as wide as the Grand Canyon between the two of them. We obviously knew that Asu was going to beat Lana. So, why would you have... Lana win a number one contender's battle royal only to lose and bury your women's roster at Lana's expense. And then after she wins the battle royal, she goes through a table for the fifth consecutive fucking time this past week. So not, not only does she lose the women's championship match, which she which she somehow qualified for, 
uh, which was a fucking joke. She loses the, the title match and gets put to a t- to a table for the fifth time. This is a running joke to Vince McMahon, and I guarantee you, Elio, he is the only person laughing because this is fucking embarrassing. And it, I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it, is, it is punishment for her because Rusev went to AEW, and that's it. And, and other than that, Vince is getting his jollies in the back. He's the only one that thinks this is fucking funny. This is fucking sad and it's pathetic and it is it is abysmal that this made it to Monday Night Raw. I have a, I have a question. Um, Natalia's on uh, SmackDown, right? Is she, is she uh, on? No, I believe she's still on Raw. They're both on Raw? Yeah. Okay, because that was weird. Like, just because Lana pushed her off the apron to eliminate her, and she she get, she gets mad and says, "This isn't working out. She's I'm done." I don't um, get no, it. Well, no, that that was that. Well, that took place before the the battle royal. That was like the previous week because Lana keeps losing and getting put through a table. So she's like, she's she's done. Oh, I, th- I thought that was like in the battle right? Oh, okay. I must have missed that that part. That okay. so no, I mean because Lana did. She eliminated Natalia in the in the, the battle royal, but you know I don't think that that's what caused their breakup. Okay. All right. So next we had we have a four team four-way women's tag team match. The team of the Raw Women's Champions, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler versus Riot Squad versus Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. See, I got a fucking problem. Uh Uh-oh. I got a very big fucking problem. Yes, I fucking do. <laughs> because okay, I, I I'm here. Your therapist is here. <laughs> Tell me your problems. Um, because Peyton Royce has been uh is was put with Lana. No, in the, this Lana. I mean Lacey Evans. Er, I'm sorry, Lacey Evans. I'm sorry. I had Lana on the brain, unfortunately. So, so Pey- Peyton was paired with Lacey Evans. Um, first of all, yes. Now, I I hate to state the obvious, but I just have to. Um, the Iconics were broken up. Which I'm not complaining about. I actually cheered and almost fell out of my fucking chair when they. I cried. Shut up. <laughs> I had tears streaming out my face. Damn it. I, I was I was so fucking. Oh happy shut up. My, my 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 podcasting partner is nothing short of an iconic stand. He's a nerd. He has a post. I'm an iconic nerd. <laughs> Yes, because uh, I'm sure you have a poster of Peyton Royce on your ceiling. How do you know these things? Because <laughs> you're, you're a nerd, that's how I know. <laughs> All right, go on. But anyway, 
so 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 you break up the iconics um so for the purpose of having Peyton Royce go on a singles run and then you decide to tag her with Lacey Evans because you don't have a women's tag team division or or a women's division period and so you're making up these uh, these makeshift tag teams that that's a terrible team well and, and it's not only them that's terrible it's Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose that's not a legit tag team um well I'm remind me who are the other two uh, tag teams the right squad and Nia Jackson and Sheena Baszler. Okay, so the so you only have one, one legitimate tag team in that match. I love the right what does that what does that tell you about the state of the women's division in WWE? That First sucks. of all. Well, I think that's being kind because they fucking they more than stuck. I don't I don't know the proper word for what they actually are, but um, so the fact that those women's tag team belts even even exist, it it rivals the stupidity of the twenty four seven seven eleven three sixty five <laughs> piece of shit. Hey, we didn't see that this week, did we? <laughs> Thank God, no. Oh, okay. Both yeah, so of those I, championships no, no, no. belong I, I, no. in a dumpster fire. I, I thought I thought maybe I missed it, but yeah, I'm glad we didn't see it this week. God, like yeah, stop it like, already. Like I said, like I said, both of those championships belong in a dumpster fire, and um, the women's division needs to be merged. The the Divisions on both shows need to be merged. The tag team titles on the women's side need to be just abolished. The the tag team division on the men's side needs to be merged, and they had a prime opportunity to do that when they bought um, Shinsuke and Cesaro over to Raw uh, about a month ago. challenged the uh, Street Profits. They didn't pull the trigger then. I got really excited in the draft when um, the Street Profits were drafted to SmackDown because I'm like, oh my God, they're going to merge the tag team division and one of my prayers has been answered. But no, they just trade the fucking championships with the New Day. Yeah, I I told you last week, I I wasn't aware that you're allowed to trade championships. Well, you're you're not, and it's it's just another it's just another example of WWE making themselves and their fans look like jackasses. Yeah. But but yeah, getting back to the women's match, this is just a joke, and it really exposes uh, several of the weaknesses in the women's division. So. I was not a fan of this. Yeah, and uh, next we had a concert by Elias. And when, of course, he was attacked by Jeff Hardy. Okay, uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought this up. Ladies and gentlemen, 
uh, you know, you you may have noticed that we somewhat deviated from our from our format on these shows, but so, so, some of these some of these times, you just can't stick with the high. And lows. some yeah. shows, such as this one, are just cons consistent lows, so you have to dissect them and make fun of them for your own enjoyment. And, and we're, we're certainly doing that on this show for, for your enjoyment. So I, I hope I hope you have as much fun listening to this as we do making this show for you. I, I, re I really hope so. And we appreciate your patronage. And um, I, I will be sure to not disappoint you with what I'm about to say next. Okay? Uh -oh. Uh -oh. So... <clears throat> Allow me to prepare my voice box. So they are expecting us to believe that, that Jeff Hardy and Elias are supposed to have an ongoing issue because, because uh, Jeff Hardy hit Elias with his car over the summer, and is thus the reason. <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. Ben from Rantville, I really appreciate it. Um, so you expect us to believe that that Jeff or that Elias is is pissed that Jeff Hardy hit him with his car over the summer, um, leading him to be out for five months. Here's here's the issue with that. Um, it was proven that it was Seamus who framed Jeff Hardy for that. Uh, Jeff Hardy wasn't even driving the car. Uh, he was dug out of the bushes and dragged off to the jail where he passed all of his sobriety tests. Apparently, Elio, now there were multiple sobriety tests performed on Jeff Hardy, which I don't know why you need multiple as far as I'm concerned. There's only one field sobriety test, and then if you pass, you're fucking good. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so I don't know what the hell. What the here, hell here, here, here. Drink, drink this beer and then blow into the. Drink this glass of wine. And, okay, now walk the street line. Okay, now walk this line over here. No. Yeah. It's, it's so stupid. So, so the fact that this feud is continuing when there's no basis for a feud because Jeff Hardy didn't hit Elias and Jeff Hardy was framed um, and, and Seamus claimed that Jeff Hardy was a junkie and we already had. Uh, hold on, hold on. We already say, had, say that word again. A what? Jeff, because because Seamus wants us all to believe that Jeff Hardy is a junkie. <laughs> That's what? why he kept calling him because he's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that was uh, that was cool. Like the, the way you said that, like yeah. that, just like Seamus. I'm, but you know. But this is so stupid because this storyline, which was which was ill-fated in the first place and done in poor taste at the expense of Jeff Hardy, 
it was already determined that Jeff Hardy wasn't involved in the accident at all. So the fact that they're having uh, Elias come back and still have a misguided problem um, with uh, with Jeff Hardy. Excuse me, has Elias been watching the show since he's been out injured? Because apparently not. Apparently he's been drinking some Guinness along with Seamus in a few Irish pubs along the way and, and has forgotten how he got injured in the first place. So I'm missing something there. But, that, you know, that's just another prime example of WWE's glaring logic gaps. But, no, I can't point that out without being without being considered a whiner and a complainer, and I should just watch the show and shut the fuck up. And I got news for you. That's not going to happen because when when Ben Pierce of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast sends his bullshit, he pounces like a, like a you know, he just, he, he, I have to pounce on this harder than Monty Brown in 2004. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what? I, I have a Monty Brown in 2004. <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> Jesus, what the hell? Yeah, well done. I like the reference. I like the reference. Okay, so next we have Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus. Oh, why? 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 This feud was already settled. On SmackDown, when um, when Biggie defeated Sheamus in a parking lot brawl, why are they taking feuds from and, SmackDown? And and, and, she, and Sheamus was in the Thunderdome. I mean, uh, I think Biggie was in the Thunderdome. Exactly. Uh, and and he was he was exposing his nipples along the way. I just you know. <laughs> You know what? Can I just say something? Fuck yeah. the new, fuck the new day. That's it. I yeah, I don't care at this point. Um, you know, he wasn't even wearing a shirt. It was fucking stupid. Everybody on Twitter was talking yeah. about his fucking nipples. I don't give a fuck about Biggie's nipples or any other part of his body. I don't care. And uh, you know what's the worst part is this team is is like geared towards kids. Well, I, I know, and, um, you know, several months ago, um, several months ago, Big E posted, and I'm not going after Big E, I'm just stating the facts since you brought this up, right? So the New Day is obviously geared toward kids, but several months ago on Twitter, um, you know, he, Big E is doing this dance in very loose fitting sweatpants. And, and his, you know, his equipment is flopping around yes. everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and it, it looks like he's participating in a Kevin Hart comedy skit. I'm going to tell you something off air, okay? <laughs> so, you know, this, this new day thing just doesn't work for me anymore. Okay, I'm going to tell you something off air. You're gonna, okay. you're gonna, you're gonna die. You're gonna die on air. And I don't, I don't, I don't need to. 
they go from having a co-host to having no co-host. Yeah, let's let's avoid that. Okay, the next match, and I thought this was an extremely great match. We had the Miz and Morrison versus Tucker and El Gran Gordo. This was amazing. <laughs> what an amazing match. <laughs> ben, Ben, Ben. El Gran Gordo. That kid's got a bright future yeah. on Raw. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's amazing. What a luchador. The big fat does not have a bright future on Monday Night Raw. I hate to break it to you. Do you know what part of this uh, this uh, segment I, I really liked? What's that? When Miz called Tucker out and his bullshit. When Tucker's like, I scanned the globe. He's like, how could you scan? How, where'd you get the time to scan the globe? The, the challenge was only made 30 minutes ago. Uh, well, you know, once again, this was this was just a, a tiny example of a WWE logic gap. And well, I, I I like this WWE. This is an example of how WWE doesn't follow their own rules because Tucker, we're gonna draft you to Raw, or this you're gonna stay on SmackDown. But then Tucker, you have a tag team match against Miss Morrison, but you need to find a partner. Well, I scanned the globe for the best luchadors, and I found El Grand Gordo. I mean, like, I mean, like, why, why do you insult the fans like that when we clearly see it's Otis? You know, because because just like they did with the wild card rule and the brand to brand invitation rule, just stupid. And, it's and, dumb. And three of the last four drafts, you know, they don't mean anything. So it's it's just. And then and, and and they're doing stupid rewrites like right up to the last minute before they go on air. Like, stop it! Why? So does, what does that really surprise you, considering the no, the no? I'm saying, products? I'm saying it's so bad because you don't know what show you're getting. You don't even know if it's the real show or if it's just a complete rewrite or what. Yeah, I know. So. It's just weird because Raw could be a really good show. But then they went and rewrite it. They go and rewrite it, and it becomes garbage. And that's what you get on that Monday. Wow. Oh, fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, Elio is finally coming out of his shell. <laughs> okay, then. Next. And then that brings us to our main event. Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee. Did Keith Lee turn heel here? Or... I, I guess. But, but I mean, I, I, just, I couldn't care less about this match. Actually, yeah, apparently yeah, he's in the street. He's working on like the lyrics for his new entrance music. Who? Keith, Keith Lee or Braun yeah. Strowman? Keith oh, Lee. For, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, well, he needs new music. This music he's got now. He, he needs his original music from NXT. He didn't need it. He didn't need to have it changed in the first place. But was that CFO? But that we went over this. In a I, know, I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Are you, know are, you are you really gonna have me have an aneurysm for the second time? <laughs> no. Air? Don't. 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 <laughs> The, the coach is over there. The coach is over there. It's behind you. 
if you need to well, lay down for this a year, I don't see a couch and I if, would if, if you need to, this is my fucking room. If you need to lay down for a minute, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> okay. I hate this shit. <laughs> the, 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 okay, the, the, the final segment, Randy Orton inside Hell in the Cell delivering his promo to Drew McIntyre. Okay. The promo was fine. It's just, you know, we see the same Randy Orton promo every week. You know what's ridiculous? You know what's ridiculous? When Drew came out, he went he went straight for the barrier because he already knew the wire cutters were whatever. Oh, yeah, and, and that's not a logic gap. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Just stop. Oh, Oh, uh, everything about this show is just terrible. All right, so that is our review of of Monday Night Raw. We're now going to move on to NXT. Yes, and and uh, why this, not? Th- All right, let's go NXT. What do you got, Ben? All right, so I I have to tell you on on certain aspects of this show I really liked, and certain aspects I really didn't. Um, I really liked the opening match. It was a um, it was a triple threat match between Kushida, Tommaso Ciampa, and uh, Velveteen Dream. Yep, and you know. Despite my issues with Velveteen Dream, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed um, this a match, and I I want to point out a particular uh, portion of the match um, when uh, when Tommaso Ciampa hit um, Widow's Widow's Bell. Um, I believe he hit it on, um, on Kushida first, and then at some point later on in the match, he had a double, he had a double one on both, um, on both guys. I, you know, it's kind of similar to, to Randy Orton's, um, Draping DDT, but it's, um, it's, it's just done with less theatrics and it, and it looks a lot more lethal in my opinion I that's just such a uh, that is just such a smooth move and I, I really I really appreciated that um, and then I have to say I really um, appreciated the ending because um, we have we have a uh, a, a counter war going on. Kushida counters a uh, a Death Valley driver from uh, Velveteen Dream into a crucifix for two. Champa gets rolled up for two. He gets hit with Dream's cast, which which um, which falls right into a. Uh, German suplex for Kushida to get the win over um, Tommaso Ciampa. It was it, it was a little bit weird because um, 
Velveteen Dream was smiling even though he lost only because he got the cheap shot in on uh, on um, Champa, which led to him getting uh, getting pinned. Um, so that part was a little bit weird, but the, the actual match overall um, was really really good. And um, you know, Tommaso Champa just never disappoints. Um, something that di- that did disappoint um, was was Ember Moon going against uh, Jesse Kamea. Now, obviously, this would have been an extended squash uh, to establish Ember Moon again. The match actually went uh, three minutes and fifty six seconds, and I actually thought uh, Kamea got uh, too much offense in. But, uh, you know, it's just obviously Ember is going to have some some ring rust. So I think that they're just bringing her along slowly, allowing her to get her feet wet again. And honestly, who can blame her after being out for over a year and having an almost career-ending injury uh, with the Achilles tear? And by the way, I know we've mentioned this before on the show, but Elio, I want you to remember how uh, Ember uh, tore her Achilles and almost had her career snuffed out. She was chasing this 24-7 championship. How stupid are these people? So, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm very happy for Ember Moon that she's getting another, another chance. Um, and and hopefully hopefully they do right by her this time. And I also noticed that she um, she debuted a new finisher uh, to go along with her eclipse move. I like her eclipse, which is kind of like a um, uh, flying stunner. Um, but it's it's just murder on her um, on her back. So. They gave her a new submission finisher, which I think is a lot safer for her in the long run. Um, so I was actually kind of happy to see that. Um, next up, we had uh, Legato del Fantasma taking on uh, Ashanti Adonis. Did, hold on, hold on. Did we have a match before that? I believe uh, Bronson. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 I'm so. I'm sorry. No, I'm I don't care. I don't care. Yes. I, I don't care. Go on. I don't care. I just. Uh... Yeah, it was. It was um, Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory, and and the reason I skipped that, um, yeah, well, ladies and gentlemen, is because the first match was a, a three minute and twenty nine. Squash, and then Austin Theory got on the mic and said, "No, no, 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 no! It's not gonna, it's not gonna end like that. Get your ass back in here. I'm, I'm the future of NXT, and you're. This isn't done until I say it's done. And then, and then Bronson came in and delivered a Samoan drop and pinned him again in seven <laughs> seconds. Right. So." After all this is done, Austin Theory has allegedly quit um, <laughs> NXT at this point. So I, you know, 
obviously he didn't actually quit. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm it's I'm aller- I'm allergic to all these squash matches that don't mean a damn thing. Right. <laughs> and my co-host is also allergic to the bullshit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um exactly. Do you have your um do you have your medication for to uh, counter that? Yeah, it's called a medicinal Mountain Dew and it works wonders. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um, so after, after all that bullshittery was taken care of, we have an actually, an actually pretty good match between, uh, Legato del Fantasma, um, we had versus Adonis, Scott, and Atlas. Um, I mean, what do you think about this guy, Ashanti, whatever his name is? Sold on him, but I'm 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 not really ready to uh, to pass judgment because I've only seen him one or two times. Okay. Uh, his gimmick doesn't seem like something that would interest me, uh, and and quite frankly, the same could be said for uh, Jake Atlas. Um, Jake Atlas, I think clearly he has. A lot of talent, um, but he he's just too uh, too like clean cut baby face for me to take seriously at this point. That's just me. Um, but I mean, obviously this match was uh, the best match of the night. Um, started off a little slow. But the final few minutes are um, fantastic. Uh, at, w- at one point, um, at, at one point, um, I bu- I bu- was I'm trying I'm trying to see who it was because there was this, there was one move in the match that was just like holy shit. So I'm just trying to get it right. Hold on one sec. All right, so. Um, God damn, where is it? Um, Do you need help? Oh, yes. Here we, here we go. All right. So um, I got it now. So at one point, uh, Joaquin Wild hits the ropes and goes outside, and he tries to attack Atlas on the apron. Um, but he, uh, he reversed this outside dive into, like, a Spanish fly. And if you go back and watch that one spot, oh my good god, I've never seen anything like it. It was it was it was sick. So um, my respect for both guys for pulling that one off. And the last uh, the last few minutes of the match were um, were the best. So yeah, easily the highlight of the night for me there. Um, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane versus Everrise. I don't care. Um, uh, Casey Catanzaro um, and Zia Lee. I don't care. Uh, Thatcher versus a student in his dojo. Don't care. Um, we got a uh, Damian Priest Vignay uh, going into. Uh, 
going into his his match against Gargano next week on um, NXT Halloween Havoc. He's sitting in a tattoo shop, actually getting a tattoo uh, while he's doing this promo. And I know he was actually getting a tattoo because I saw the needle go into him. So that was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that on WWE TV. Um, and then uh, the the main event was Danny Burch and Oni Larkin uh, claiming the tag team championships, but that wasn't really the story um, because throughout the night, um, and I kind of saved this for last, so I didn't skip it, um, but originally it was going to be it was going to be um, the Undisputed Air um, versus um, uh, versus Brizongo uh, for um, for the belts, and and um, through, throughout the night, Fish and um, uh, Fish and, and O'Reilly were, were attacked. By no strong, Roderick Strong. Oh yeah, yeah, fish and strong. I I, I knew it wasn't O'Reilly because O'Reilly left uh, to go to the hospital. So fish and strong get attacked by this random person. Uh, they don't know who it is, and then come to find out, it is um, Pat McAfee who uh, comes out in a mask and knocks. He knocked um, Fandango off off the rope, which led to uh, the pin after after Danny Burch and Annie Morgan hit their finisher, and then and then he pulls the mask off and celebrates with with a new tag team title. So obviously they're continuing the Adam Cole and. Uh, Pat McAfee storyline, which went into uh, NXT 30. Now, I have to, I have to tell you, as as I said when when we reviewed NXT 30 on this show, um, I was impressed by um, I was impressed by Pat McAfee in the ring. He actually did a lot more. Um, to impress me than a lot of outsiders who come in and do special programs and appearances with WWE. Um, he, and so my hat's off to him for that. Um, but the, the same complaint I had then still applies now. He is a non-wrestler and therefore I have, I have difficulty taking him seriously in a feud with Adam Cole, who in my book is the best wrestler on the planet right now. Um, so no matter how, no matter how much respect Pat McAfee earned for me at TakeOver 30, and he did, um, I'm, just, I'm just not interested in seeing the feud continue. Uh, and, and the fact that he's now by extension um, involved in a tag team, uh, storyline and uh, a uh, storyline with Adam Cole 
you know, I, I, I don't need that personally. So overall, um, pretty solid episode of um, NXT. I'm very, I'm very interested to see where they go with um, Isaiah Scott and, uh, and um, uh, what, uh, what, what Santos Escobar. I was, uh, I was uh, trying to think of his new name since he lost the mask. Um, so that's the, that's the storyline that um, grabs my attention the most. Um, but, um, you know, not, not too much else happened. Um, you know, and like, like I said, I'm, I, just, I can't bring myself to be invested in NXT, especially now that your main storyline involves Pat McAfee again. So, you know. Answers is what it is. All right, that's uh, our review of NXT, and now we're gonna move on to AEW. Ben, what you think of AEW this week? I, I thought it was it was pretty good. Um, Better than last week. Yeah, and um, but right off the bat, before um, before we get into your review. What did you think of the dinner debonair between MJF and Chris Jericho that turned into a Broadway musical? I'm not an MJF fan only because I've seen him from from watching covering MLW. Um, I didn't like the first half when they were like doing ordering and they were each uh, saying, oh, we want this. No, no, we want this. No, we want this. I did like the musical, it was. I did laugh at some of the parts of the musical, though. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And all, that's only because I grew. I grew up on that mu- on that music from the thirties and forties. Oh God, yeah. See, he's a throwback, ladies and gentlemen. I I grew up on on sixties and seventies music thanks to my parents, but uh, Elio is a true throwback to the. Golden age, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> all the gangsters and the speakeasy and all that stuff. Oh yeah. But, you know, but but you know, <laughs> that shit was kind of cool though. What was that? It is. I mean, a few seasons of the gang too. Yeah. Actually, there was one that you should um, check out. I don't know if it's real, but um. It's called Little Caesars from 1931. If you want gangster movie, that's the one to watch. I I will look into that for sure. Okay, so let's get into this. Our opening match. First of all, there we're having this tournament to determine the number one contender for the AEW Championship. Um. Yeah, I'm aware. Although it does confuse me. I mean, no, but like I'm saying the. There are quite a lot of tournaments going on lately. Yeah, and especially it kind of confuses me, especially given the fact that we already know that Eddie Kingston is facing John Moxley at um, full, full gear. gear. So it's like you know, why not hold off on this tournament until after that match? Uh, <clears throat> I think you've been watching ROH, have you? Uh, no. They have they have a tournament too for the pure championship. 
Well, and to be honest with you, I'm more interested in that because I think they're reintroducing the pure championship. Yeah, so um, it's pretty cool. I haven't uh, caught up with that. With uh, any of it, like because I'm still coming off of the G1 climax. Yeah, and let me tell you something. I mean, I have watched so much wrestling this week in preparation for this podcast that I couldn't possibly watch anymore. Yeah, well, the G1 that's like that's a whole month, so I'm still uh, recovering from that. But here we go with this tournament. The opening match had Wardlow defeating Jungle Boy to advance. And this was not a bad match. I was never, I wasn't a big fan of Wardlow when he first showed up, but I kind of liked this guy. Yeah, he, he's, he's growing on me now. He, he, um, he's definitely more athletic than I thought he was. Stay away from MJF. That's why. That's uh, what's doing it. Because when he was with MJF, I didn't really like him. Yeah. Well, he was just a heavy. Yeah. All right. Then we had uh, Sonny Kiss substituting for Joey Janela, losing to Kenny Omega. Wow, God. Thank the Lord that the cleaner has returned. Okay. I, I look. That was super fast. You know what? Hold on. We talk. Well, it, we talk. We just have to see the turn on this one. It needed to be short because otherwise I cannot take Kenny Omega versus Sonny Kiss seriously. I'm sorry. I, you know, we've talked about Sonny Kiss on this show before. I have no problem with with him. Uh, lifestyle choice-wise, I could give two shits. It's just for some for some reason... I cannot take you seriously as a as a wrestler when you're twerking on your way to the fucking ring. Yeah. Kenny Omega versus Sonny Kiss lasted ten seconds. Well, that's exactly what it needed to be. Oh, because I no, I didn't know how long that match was. All I know was like it was super short. Like you just hit the V trigger and that's it. And now I'm just looking at the time. No, it was. It was actually the, the sorry, V trigger. Sorry, sorry, the one wing and then the one wing angel. That's right. Yeah. There was two moves and then done. 10 seconds. Well, so that's guess, exactly what it needed to be. So I guess five seconds for the V trigger, five seconds for the one wing angel. Exactly. Boom. <laughs> or should I say seven seconds for the one wing angel and three seconds to count the three count? Exactly. <laughs> Okay, then we had Ray Phoenix defeating Penta El Zero. However, Ray Phoenix is, has been taken out of the tournament because due to injury. So it'll be Penta taking on Kenny Omega next week. Oh, did uh, did he get hurt? Yeah. I um I didn't know he got hurt, but yeah, I, I he, he's out. Penta is in. How serious was the injury? What was the injury? Um, let me look that up uh, because I thought I saw it here. Um, yeah, Ray Phoenix pulled from tournament due to injuries. So let's open this up real quick and I will give you that information right now. Okay, Phoenix picked up a win over Penta L0 Wednesday, but left A Dynamite at less than 100%. He's been pulled from the 
tournament however it's not really uh giving uh uh the reason like what kind of injury it was oh that's interesting well i hope he can get back uh quickly because i was uh, one i'm a massive fan of phoenix and two that oh, was a... oh hold on here it's uh apparently um during the after the during the match phoenix landed on his head after an inverted top rope frankensteiner and the spot left many believing he could have suffered a neck injury oh lord yeah that's not good because I'm a, I'm a gigantic fan of phoenix and i actually thought this match was Fantastic. I actually tweeted about it. So, and, uh, yeah, so he is out and Penta, it'll be Penta versus Omega next week. Okay. Then we have Adam Page defeating Cole Cabana. Of course, Page uh, moving, now moving on to face Wardlow. To face who? Wardlow. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then we had Dr. Britt Baker defeating Kylan King by submission. They, I mean, they got to stop with these women's matches. This one wasn't bad. No, this one wasn't bad. It, it was one of the, it was it was a little better than most of the ones we've seen as of late, but it still wasn't good. Exactly. Then we had the main event. Uh, Oh, the, the Young Bucks defeating Private Party, Dark Order, and Blade and the Butcher. Well, to me, okay, one, you know I don't like multi-team tag team matches. I just don't, and especially because AEW does them every single week, it seems like. Sure, sure. Uh, but most, most importantly, I just felt like it was – a foregone conclusion what the what the winner was going to be and us go on to face FTR, of course, that being the Young Bucks because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's been looking forward to that match. So that was a, even though they did that perfectly, perfectly correctly, um, you know, in, in terms of that booking decision, you know, that was like a foregone conclusion. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, I don't even have to watch the match because I know what's going to happen here. <laughs> now hold on uh, at the end uh, I believe it was Matt Jackson they tried to injure his uh, leg or they injured his leg um, well that um, that could be a storyline thing yeah yeah, yeah. I no, no, no I'm saying uh, the, I'm saying in the match they, they injured his leg so you never know if we're going to actually get that match or if they're going to move it push back even further. Well, I mean, I I don't really see that because, you know, they, they don't have nearly as many pay-per-views. Like, they have four of them. So, you know, if... Well, so, it would, it would stand to sense that they would book it now. And in addition, I just noticed when Alex Reynolds was down. Oh, yeah, he was... Yeah, he was, yeah, he was knocked out. I, I didn't catch that at first. He was not no, but like I was pissed off at the referee. Uh, Rick Knox. Because this is just this is just the latest in a in a in a series of fuck ups by referees, but it seems like it seems like Rick Knox fucks up a lot. 
But to me, this was a this was like an inexcusable fuck up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like it seems like Alex Alex is gonna be fine. Um, thank thank God. Um, but he was laying in the middle of the ring like a dead fish for the longest time. And I'm staring at this because I actually caught it later when I when I watched the show again. I didn't catch it when it first happened, but going back and looking at it, I'm not sure how I didn't catch this. Um, because he he was laid out in the ring for the like the longest time, and when I went back and took a look at it, I'm I'm like surely surely Rick knows that something is fucked up. He didn't. He didn't move, man. He did not move. Like, like, in order to get the tag, somebody had to like drag his limp carcass over to the corner, and you could tell it wasn't selling. I mean, you could tell he was out. Um. So I'm, I'm just like, well, what the fuck are they doing there? You know, we, we don't, we don't, we don't need another, you know, Matt Hardy esque situation. I'm not, I'm not saying it, it looked that bad because I, I didn't catch it and I certainly knew that something was very wrong the second Matt Hardy hit the concrete but you know but it's like we don't need any more close calls because of a, a stupid decision or or a rough fuck up it just it happens too much so they, they really gotta watch that and they, and they may have dodged a bullet with Alex Reynolds all right. So the, uh, oh, before we before we uh, move on, uh, what you think of the Chris Jericho MJF, or uh, did you already give your thoughts? Because I I I know I gave my thoughts earlier. Yeah. So I'll I'll give mine now. Um, I I was looking at it like this is really stupid. To to tell you the truth. Okay. Um. Now. Now, it, it, it worked because of who was involved in it. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho and MJF and, and their style of banter, it worked. However, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I was a fan of it because, I, I mean, I was sitting there like, this is this is stupid as shit. Um, maybe it's just because I don't like musical numbers or something like that. I mean, I legitimately don't like musicals the last time the last time i sat on a musical i was 12 years old so actually i was 11 suffering through the nutcracker during christmas season you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you i like the nutcracker on cd i don't think i could sit through the musical well i was i was forced to Oh, I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, because because my my grandmother had gotten tickets and you know and we had to go or whatever. Oh, okay. And I'm dude, I'm I'm sitting there like you know you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> you know I'm 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 sitting in my chair and I'm like falling asleep as this shit is going on. So yeah, it, it's just. It didn't really land for me, and I have to and I have to say, it wouldn't really have mattered who was involved in it. I just wasn't um, 
I wasn't gonna be gonna be a fan of it because I'm just I'm not into musical numbers at all unless it's a Disney movie. Okay. Um. So you know, it, it didn't it didn't work for me, but you know, ha- ha- having said that, I understand the context in which they were doing it, given that it was Jericho and MJF. But that's not enough for me to give it a pass because if someone in WWE had done it, I would have been shitting all over it the same way I am now. So I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't digging it. I, I thought they could have done something much cooler with that. All right. Then now we're going to move on to WWE SmackDown. And after that, we will take a break. Ben. Cool. And on we go with SmackDown. Once again, it it was emphasized over and over again that we are in the Thunderdome and it is an immersive experience created specifically for the WWE Universe. We know. We understand. We've seen it. Shut the fuck up. That being said... Um, Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host is not a fan of the Thunderdome, or if, or may he might be too sick of hearing that we're in the Thunderdome. Well, I, well, it, it, it's both, quite frankly. Um, but um, but that being said, despite my disdain for that constant uh, introduction, as if we've never seen it before. Um, I have to tell you, I was quite impressed with this episode of SmackDown um, in comparison to some of the other episodes we've gotten recently. Now, if I could, if I could find the review, huh? oh, here, here we are. Um, so Im- immediately, I here comes. Here comes Brian and Owens for the Kevin Owens show. Now, I hate these segments because I know exactly what they're going to lead into. And as soon as soon as um, as soon as the uh, Street Profits came out, I'm like, oh fuck, because here comes the Street Profits and. And Cesaro and Nakamura. So I knew that we were going to get a tag team match worthy of Teddy Long. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not interested. So that introduction didn't do anything for me. The, the match was okay. Um, and I just wasn't, I just wasn't in, invested in this whole opening. I think I, I think I went to the went to the fridge twice while this was happening. Um, I'm just lucky that I forgot my drink on the first go around. Um, and then uh, then we get a bad Law and Order parody for Otis's briefcase, and I'm just gonna cut to the cut to the end of, of this of these segments because we had multiple um, Otis. And, and Law and Otis segments throughout the throughout the evening. So JBL, who was acting as the judge, and uh, and Ron Simmons, who was the ba- who was the bailiff. Um, it was 
it was looking like it was going to go in the direction of Otis because he had all the all the evidence that he had won the Money in the Bank briefcase fairly. But then it was very obvious that Miz and Morrison had bribed JBL with a briefcase full of money. So he determined that Otis was going to face the Miz at Hell in a Cell. I was in where the JBL was about to make matches. Uh, well, apparently, apparently he's a judge, and when you have the when you have the robe on, it uh, it grants you certain privileges. Whatever, um, Harry Potter. <laughs> hey, don't be knocking Harry Potter now. That shit's dope. <laughs> don't, I'm not. WWE bullshit now. I like Harry Potter. Okay, well, see, you and I can be friends now. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You, you were going down a dangerous path, and then you recovered yourself. Um, so, yeah, cutting to, cutting to the end, it's Otis versus The Miz for, for the briefcase at Hell in a Cell. I didn't really need this segment. To, to get that to happen, we kind of knew that that was what was going to happen. But you know, seeing Teddy Long and and Ron Simmons as the as the bell uh, made it made it bearable for me, so I'm not going to complain too much. Oh, okay. um, <clears throat> Next up, we had. Uh, let me just scroll down here. Next up, we had my highlight of the evening. And that was Bianca Belair's in-ring debut against Selena Vega. And I gotta tell you, if they don't, if they don't push this woman to the moon, I don't know what they're doing. Okay, I I have said it in the, in the past, and I actually meant it when I said if they if they mess up Alistair Black, I quit. If they mess up. Um, Shayna Baszler, I quit. If they mess up Keith Lee, I quit. If they mess up Ricochet, I quit. You're sensing a theme here, but I'm just saying, in terms of women, if they fuck up Bianca Belair when as a wrestler and an entertainer, this woman is the is the total package. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how it is within the universal realm of possibility. To to mess up Bianca Belair, but having but ha- having that said, she's been on the main roster for quite a long time and hasn't done anything. So hopefully, this move to SmackDown can really propel her to where it is so obvious to me she needs to be, which is at the tippy top of the uh, women's division. Um, but. Um, so, I mean, I have hope based on how the commentators were putting her over. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I love everything about Bianca Belair. Everything. Okay. I, I, ha- I, I can't remember the last time that I saw a, a female performer outside of Sasha Banks that I said, you know, this woman has it all. And Sasha Banks was the last time I remember saying that. 
Um, so that was really cool. Next up, we had um, Lars Sullivan versus Shorty G, which the match of which of course is going to be a squash. I don't know why they're doing this with Lars Sullivan. We've seen this before. You know, I know they're reintroducing him, but if you're going to use him, I'm sorry. I don't care about Lars Sullivan. Every time his matches, every time he's in a match on SmackDown. I will always give it a zero. Yeah. Well, it's very, um, you know, he, from everything that I have read, he should, especially with this latest round of, um, latest round of controversy with the, with the confirmed dick pics. Um, because, I mean, they're, I mean, luckily I didn't see them, thank Christ, because nobody wants to see that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think it's just, I've had enough of Lars Sullivan. Yep. I don't care. Um, but the, the one, um, the one silver lining to this situation was after this match, Shorty G has finally ceased to exist. Oh my God, thank God. And we are back to Jack Abel. So um, that absolutely has to be considered a highlight of the show. Uh, we're actually, well, I think we're actually going to have three highlights on this show. And I think that might be I a record. Hope, I wonder if Vince, if Vince approved that or if he went off on his own and did that because I can hear, I can hear Vince getting all mad. What the hell happened to Sri G? Well, I don't really give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> because, no, no, I'm like, if he went off on his own, good for him. Fuck, I'm sick of Shorty G. That is an insult. Um, you know, I really don't care about this Seth Rollins storyline anymore. Um, they really, they're you know, really forging ahead with this Aaliyah uh, Murphy situation. Do you know that this was the longest match on the show? Which is a fu- which you know from the in ring talent, I don't mind because both of these guys are really good. Um, but I'm just, I'm just so done with the storyline, and you know so going back to the beginning, I thought for sure that Dom was gonna turn on Ray and join the ministry, and then I'm like, okay, well that's not gonna happen. They're they're getting um they're getting the Mysterios over as a tag team, and then Ray got hurt, and then I thought you know, Dominic's uh, definitely going to join now since Dom got hurt. Then I thought Leah was going to join the Ministry, and I was like, oh God, please no, because she's not even a wrestler. Um, and now, and now it seems to be the redemption of Murphy when we already had the redemption of Jeff Hardy. So it's just, you know, I'm glad that they're going this route if they're going to continue this storyline. But that being said, this storyline just doesn't interest me at all. And, you know, and look, I'm, I'm not the PC police. I never have been. That's very obvious. Just go... But just go listen to the show. Uh, you know, and, and it's very it's very obvious that I am not politically correct, to say the very least. However, I find it creepy 
that a 32-year-old, even in storyline, is romantically interested in a 19-year-old. They, I mean, they are really pushing the uh, the boundaries with that one. Um, and I'm just, I'm not a fan because I, I'm 32 years old right now, seriously, and um, I wouldn't even entertain the thought of dating a 19-year-old. So I, me personally, in my moral compass, I just have a problem with that. Even though I realize it's not illegal, I just, you know, it, you're getting into creepy territory with that for me. So yep. uh, that's just a minor reason why I hate this storyline, but they're certainly not helping themselves with that scenario. Uh, next up we have, what was, what's next? Uh, oh yes, and this right here. Oh, oh, but we 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 forgot one one segment. Um, how did I forget that? Uh, and and Sasha Banks finally got oh. Bailey to sign the contract because she was gonna she was gonna like hurt her neck because the her neck was in a chair so. It was obvious and it was unnecessary to draw it out like this, but it's been made official that Bailey and Sasha Banks will go one-on-one for the championship at Hell in a Cell. Um, so, so that's good. Uh, back to the main event segment. Um, this was uh, Tribal Consequences featuring Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. Um where uh, Reigns revealed his stipulation for the match, and that was if Jay lost, then he was going to have to um, become subservient to uh, Roman Reigns, and and now so will Jimmy, because Jimmy got involved um, in, in the segment um, originally, we thought he, he was Jay in the back, but he revealed himself to be Jimmy to cause a diversion for uh, Jay to attack Roman and get the upper hand on him. Uh, it, it looked like Reigns was going to uh, come back and get the upper hand after, after, hitting, um, after hitting Jay with a big boot, um, but even... Even from looking at it, you can tell that um, you can tell that he didn't get all of it, despite commentaries attempts to convince us otherwise. So it was um, quite obvious to me that uh, that Jay was going to get back up, and um, you know he Reigns got hit with a couple of chairs, chair shots, um, and uh, and we get the. Uh, we get the family reunion at the top of the ramp, but then it was it was revealed by by Reigns that uh, like like I said, if he beats Jay, um, then they have to join the uh, the the family business with uh, with Reigns at the head of the table. So, um, and if the and if both. Usos don't do that, then they will be uh, 
disowned from the family, so to speak. So we know that's not going to happen. And so we know where this is going now. But that being said, I'm really enjoying this storyline. And um, it is arguably the best thing on TV right now. With the only other possibility being Banks and Bailey. But I mean, the, the, the uh, heel turn of Roman Reigns, for, for as much crap as I give uh, WWE, and I do feel that it's warranted. I have to say that they got, they've gotten this one uh, right completely. So I'm very invested in this storyline with Roman Reigns and Jimmy. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, those are our four shows. We are going to take a break, and we will be back with our Hell in a Cell predictions, followed by Halloween Havoc, and then Time Warp going back to October 24th, 1993 for Halloween Havoc. Stay tuned for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are going to get into our predictions for Hell in a Cell, um, Halloween Havoc, we're skipping, so we're going to do uh, Hell in a Cell, followed by Time Warp to Halloween Havoc 1993. So, Ben, let's start with the Hell in a Cell, Hell in a Cell tomorrow night. Uh, very good. All right, our first match, uh, we're going to go bottom to top. Our uh, first match right. on the list is Otis versus The Miz. If Miz wins, he gets the money in the bank contract. I'm going with Otis because I don't want to see the Miz uh, with the win the contract thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I the my, my issue with that is I really don't see Otis being the world champion. No, nope. but I I I think I think maybe what they do is. Um, they have Otis defeat the Miz and then go for like the the Intercontinental title or like cash in for a tag team title opportunity with Tucker. Okay. So with those two possibilities in mind, I'm gonna go with Otis because you know, like it or not, yeah. this this guy is on a roll. And even though I don't see him being a world title contender with this comedy gimmick, I just, I don't see him losing in this capacity. So it's much more likely that he cashes in for a mid card title. Okay. So Our next match is another one I don't care about. Jeff Hardy versus Elias. I'm going with Elias. Uh, yeah, un unfortunately. I mean, this match shouldn't even be happening for reasons that we've already discussed earlier in the show, but yeah, I agree with you, Elias. All right, for the NXT, for the, NXT, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship inside Hell in a Cell, we have Bailey versus Sasha Banks. I'm going to have to go with Bailey. Well, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck with this one, and I'm going to give you my Two scenarios and then my ultimate prediction. Okay. Number one, um, number one is Bailey retains, and then they drag out the feud until WrestleMania because 
Sasha Banks can can win the Royal Rumble and qualify, and then and then face Bailey at WrestleMania. Or they could have Sasha Banks win, and then and then do do like the same scenario with Bailey at the Rumble. But right now. I just don't like the order in which they're doing this because even though they had that um, token women's championship match that ended in disqualification a few weeks on SmackDown, in my book, this is still like the first major match in the feud. And um, because of that, I'm not really a fan of it being inside Hell in a Cell because to me, Hell in a Cell finishes a feud, but not starting one. Um, but if, if I had if I had my way, I would have um, I would have Bailey win and then you know draw the draw the storyline out a little bit further because to me um, the, Bailey versus Sasha is the best thing on the show. And to me, there's still more money to be made off of it. And I think the way you do that is by uh, elongating uh, the feud. And so I don't see a title match. I don't see a title change happening in the first major match of the feud. Okay. And next we have for the WWE Championship. Inside Hell in a Cell, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. I'm going with Drew McIntyre. And I, I think it's time to put it on, um, to put it on Randy. Okay. Because, um, because you know, you, you, Randy has already lost like so many matches that if like. If they don't put the, the title on him now and and have and have him be the champion when he finishes off the feud with Edge, then it's just like what's the point? So based on how they've booked Randy Orton, I just, I don't think that he can he can lose again. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and in the last match, we for the Universal Championship inside Hell in a Cell, three Hell in a Cell matches. <laughs> Roman, well, see, and uh, I'm so glad you said that. I, I know you're being a smart ass, but you bring up a really good point. You know, Roman, I'm serious. You know, like that's too much. Three Hell in a Cell matches. Well, yeah, because it just it destroys the gimmick. Well, number one, you destroyed the gimmick last year when you fucked the, the Fiend inside Hell in a Cell versus, versus uh, you know, uh, Seth Rollins. I mean, he got fucked harder than any porn star I've ever seen in my life. Ow, ow, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what you, I, hold on, I don't know what you do off air in your own time, but that's your business. You keep it, you keep it off of this show, Mr. No, I, I mean, I mean that was the oh, man, that, was the, that was great. That was the most ridiculous bugging decision I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I mean, it was 
Because, you know, don't get me started on rants again, but, but that whole situation was tailor-made for The Fiend to win the championship, and they fucked it up. Yep. Okay, and uh, so we have Roman Reigns defeating the Universal, defending the Universal Championship against Jay Uso. I'm going with Roman Reigns because we're going to see the formation of the new faction. Yeah, the WWE's version of the Samoan Dynasty. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, that is our prediction. Those are our predictions for Hell and Salt tomorrow night. We are now going to fire up the DeLorean because, Ben, what were you doing on October 24th, 1993? Uh, well, I, I had probably gone to bed early considering I was only five. <laughs> okay. So on this particular night, I was invited to my friend's house and we were watching WCW Halloween Havoc 1993. Now, you said you, had, you told me you had seen this one earlier. Well, no, I, I haven't, but I, I watched no, I it. Said, sorry, go on. But I watched it in preparation for this show. No, that's what I meant. I know you, you told me you'd seen this earlier. Yeah. Wait, which, oh, which take of this? I was not impressed. And to tell you the truth, I was disappointed given the caliber of talent on this show. I, fr- from, from the card... You know, as as you'll as you'll recall, Elio, and I'll, I'll tell the people, we we were uh, we were debating between doing uh, 1993 Halloween Havoc or 1999 Halloween Havoc, because both happened on on this day in history. Um, and I, we were looking at the receptive cards, and we're like, okay, 99 sucks, it's, so automatically 1993. But I gotta, I gotta tell you, 93 might be just as bad as 1999 WCW. Let's see, you got, you got an idea of what spin the wheel make the deal is. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and they they are bringing that concept back for uh, for next for next week's NXT Halloween Havoc. So. Um, you know, but it, I I have always been fond of Halloween Havoc, mostly because um, my favorite match of all time took place in Halloween Havoc. Hold on, let me guess. Um, 90 Chamber of Horrors match? No, it, no, it was um, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I was nineteen ninety three was must not have been a very good year for WCW because this was just no. Well, also, uh, also it was a different uh, it was a different time back then as well. Like for even for WBF, uh, Monday Night Raw wasn't the greatest show back then either. Well, well, clearly everything comes full circle for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so, so let's get into the, let's get into this card. We had Charlie Norris, Shockmaster, and Ice Train defeating Kane Cole and the Equalizer. Now, do you know who the Equalizer is? Uh, no. Who's he? Okay, he was brought in to play Kevin Sullivan's brother, Dave Sullivan. However. He would. Uh, because originally, 
It's interesting that you say that because, like, I didn't even know that, and I'm like, that looks like Kevin Sullivan, but I know it wasn't. Yeah, originally they brought him in to play uh, Kevin Sullivan's younger brother. This guy was a face, and so, like, they called him the Equalizer. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, and, you know, uh, come to find out, <laughs> Booker T and uh, Stevie Ray were once known as Kane and Cole. I didn't even know that. Uh, which I, which I didn't even know, and then I got confused because, you know, Harlem Heat came out, and I'm like, oh, Booker T and Stevie Ray, and then and, and then Gary Capella said, um, Keenan Cole, and I'm like, who the fuck? Well, now hold on. Do you, do you know? Do you know what they were called before they were Harlem Heat? Uh, no. Okay, so they were known as the Ebony Experience. Oh, for fuck's sake! That was what they were known as. That is so racist. That's not like I don't mean to I, laugh. I, but that I, is, I have it right here. I have it listed right here. That's what they were called. That is so fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. But they, they should not have named them that. But, oh, God. It was terrible. Jesus. It was, but, it was bad. But even these names, Kane and Cole, I'm like, like I'm because uh, Harlem Heat was like my favorite tag team as a kid, right? As soon as WCW Nitro came on the air in 1995, I immediately gravitated toward Harlem Heat, and I swear to God, to this day, they're like my all time favorite tag team. So I got like really excited when Harlem Heat came out, and then they said Kane and Cole, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I I didn't even know. I mean, like I saw this pay per view, but I don't remember the I don't even remember this match. Well, it, it, well, it, it wasn't exactly memorable because this was just terrible wrestling. I mean, this match featured the Shockmaster, aka Cody's Uncle Fred. You know, I mean, this is just. <laughs> I don't know why he's that Cody's uncle friend. What the hell? <laughs> that was great. Um, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, okay, so next we had Paul Orndorff defeating Ricky Steamboat by countout. Um, this was this was actually one of the best matches on the card. It, was, it definitely started off a little slow. Um, interesting little tidbit that I found out about uh, this match through my research. What's this? Um, so Nick Patrick was the referee for this match. Sure. And, and he is actually the son of the assassin who managed Paul Orndorff during this match. Mm, okay. I so see, that, I don't know that. That was interesting. PNC exclusive. Um one of one of and but one of the things that I found so weird, and I guess it was just a WWE copyright thing, is WCW uh, and announced R R Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as Ricky Steamboat the Dragon. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I hate that. That's so ridiculous. Uh, uh, yeah, immediately I'm like, oh god, please tell me Gary Gary Capetta messed up. Please tell me that that was a fuck up. But no, it wasn't because they said it multiple times. Oh, why? And, and I almost reached out to Gary Capetta on Facebook because we're actually friends on Facebook. Oh, look at you. <laughs> no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, though. Um, so, but if there's a copyright, WWE owns WCW, so why would it? Because because they didn't own it back in 1993. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, that's, so. yeah, that's true, yeah. So? I'm saying, you know how WWE likes to, like, play around with stuff and edit things or yeah. go back and yeah. All right, then we had uh, for the world television title, Davy Boy Smith defeating Steven Regal. Well, no, sorry, Davy Boy Smith no. versus Steven Regal ends without a winner because of a time limit draw. I, I hated this. I mean, look, I, I enjoyed the wrestling. You're never going to hear me complain about Did, it. Did he have Winston? Did he have Winston? Did he have Winston? No. Oh. No, that must have been a WWE thing. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was a WWE thing. I thought that they might have brought the Bulldog over to WCW. But I was I was very disappointed when Winston didn't show up. Because any anytime Winston shows up on my screen, I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, no, like I like, literally, I'm not even kidding. I'm yeah, such, a, I'm, oh, such yeah. a, I'm such a dog person that every time Winston shows up in a clip I'm watching, I back it up so I can see Winston again. Okay. I just I, I'm such a dog person. It's just I I I like dogs more than people. I, you know, it's just, it's adorable. Um, I, uh, yeah, I got a real big kick out of that. But having, having said that about the Smash, you know, like I said, you're never going to hear me complain about, uh, you know, any match involving Regal um, or, or Davey Boy, but it's just, um, one, why, why, why would this match go to a time limit draw? Uh, two, um, certain aspects of the match were sloppy from Davy Boy Smith. Um, so I was a little bit, I was a little bit surprised by that. And given the caliber of talent, I would have expected this match of any of them to steal the show, but it didn't, it didn't really come off that way. Next up, we had for the United States Championship, Dustin Rhodes defeating Stunning Steve Austin. And once again, you know, I would have expected this match to be a barn burner, and it just really wasn't, you know. And after that, we had yet another championship match. We had like what, three championship matches. No, no, we yeah, and there were four total. And uh, yeah, yeah, this match was a clusterfuck so on crack for, cocaine. For the- for the World Tag Team Championships, Nasty Boys defeating Marcus Bagwell and Two Gold Scorpio. Did you hear what I said? Yes, man. Say it clusterfuck. You know what? I said this match was cl- was a clusterfuck on crack cocaine. 
<laughs> because, because, well, hold on, I have, I have a, a point. Because Missy Hyatt and uh, Teddy Long's involvement was just terrible. Oh my god! It was just, you know, it, it, it's funny. Side, a little bit of a sidebar. I always thought that that um, Scorpio was one of the most underrated slash ahead of his time performers that I can remember. You know, because like anytime I anytime I would go back and see some of his matches on like ECW or even WWE when he was a lower card jobber, I'm like. Why is it? Why is this guy in the position that he's in? Because I, I mean, I always got a real big kick out of um, Scorpio, and um, you know, I just I don't really understand why he wasn't bigger than what he was. Um, but you know, I I have to tell you, I found this this pairing to be um, of. Marcus Alexander, don't call him Buff Bagwell, and two Colt Scorpio to be very random. So, as the match is going on, the commentary team is ex- explaining to me. I'm I'm finding this very interesting because I'm I'm really paying attention to the commentary because it was uh Je- it was Jesse Labadi Ventura and Tony Shimani and the um and just the uh, quids between them uh, were very entertaining. So I found myself listening to listening to them for a variety of reasons, but the most important one being that I was trying to understand the storyline since it was so long ago. Um, and, uh, and so when, uh, hold on, where was I? I'm just trying to think. Okay, so so when when I see it's the it's the nasty boys versus Marcus, don't call him Buff Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio. I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna be a squash match because obviously the nasty boys are gonna go over. Um, well, I I didn't realize at the time when I when I thought that the 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 night before. Uh, Bagwell and Scorpio had won the tag team titles from from them, uh, you know, from the Nasty Boys. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's weird, because because at this point, I think I think um, I think Bagwell and um, and Scorpio were like jobbers. That's what they look like in comparison. And then you know, then I'm like, okay, so well, the match is getting better, and then. Of course, they have the crap with Teddy Long and Missy Hyatt. You know, and I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because Missy Hyatt was just before my time or something. But I just, I never really got the hype with Missy Hyatt. Well, let me explain to you. Missy Hyatt was a big manager in the... I believe it was a Mid-South Wrestling around, down down around the Texas area in the 80s, like 86, and then she was also in the UWF. Not the Eric Abrams, but the original. Yeah. So, yeah, she was uh, really big in, like, the 80s. 
Yeah, well, I, I knew that, but I, I just, I never really got the hype. I, it, do you remember, uh, no, you wouldn't remember that she was also in WBF for like a week. No, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know she was in a WBF like around 87. She and like had like a short lived uh, talk show called Missy's Corner or something like that. Oh, oh god, that didn't, that didn't, <laughs> I'm sure that didn't go very well. <laughs> it was just weird. They had like Randy Savage and Elizabeth were her guests on one episode. Was it Missy's Street Corner or Missy's Corner? No, no Missy, Missy's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's called, I'm not even sure. Because I, I, I saw it on uh, YouTube. They have it on YouTube. No, but but I honestly, you know, it might seem like I'm being an asshole by asking that question, but based on her character, just in that match, she looked like a streetwalker. <laughs> and then I... I, I looked her up after the fact, and then I realized that that was the same wom- woman that had the brick in her purse. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like okay. So yeah. I, I literally thought that the, the, the brick in the purse was like supposed to be a prostitute's weapon. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I, I literally thought that. That was my understanding. Um, so I'm not I'm not being defamatory toward Missy Hyatt. I you know, but it's just it, maybe it was just because it was before my time, but it, it but it really wasn't clicking with it and she was before whole, my time too because I here we never got like the wrestling the like territories down there. We only got yeah. I only got WBF up here. And the um the dynamic and the, and the almost like cat fight between Teddy Teddy Long and uh, and uh, Missy Hyatt was just weird. So <laughs> the whole match wasn't really clicking. Hey, for me. let me let me ask you: Did Teddy Long have hair? No. no. Oh damn! You have to see him with hair. <laughs> I, I don't think he had hair. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen when he had hair when he was managing uh, um, the skyscrapers or or Doom, Doom when he was managing Doom. Well, because he he had a he had like a headband on, so I really couldn't see. Yeah, okay, this was afterwards then because yeah. All right, then we had Sting defeating Sid Vicious in the next match. Uh, This match was terrible. Uh, I, I didn't think that was possible. Any match involved me staying, I'm like, holy shit, you know. But um, the, the, yeah, uh, Sid Vish just got exposed. Uh, it was so slow, and oh god, it was horrible. Um, but it, on an honest question, uh, I was very confused that. Uh, that Colonel Parker was with Sid. What's well, that? How long was that a thing? Because I was like, what the hell is Colonel Parker doing with Psycho Sid? Yeah, uh, he came in, I believe. Um, I don't remember the story behind that, but I believe, yeah, he did manage uh, Sid uh, for a while. Oh, for a while, because it's, it's like through this entire match, I'm. I'm I'm humming rap is crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Colonel Rob Parker was also a wrestler. 
Well, I I didn't know that. I thought he was a yeah, uh, it's, uh, Robert Fuller. I'll have to look that up because yeah. it was it was just a weird combination. I kept thinking of Colonel Parker and Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> right. That's how I that's who I associated more with. So it was like weird seeing him with Sid. You know, I, like I said, I was like humming rap is crap through the entire match. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was right. just, and that and the ending was weird too because then that's another thing I noticed. Like almost every single match had a had like a screwy ending to it outside of the time limit draw. They never really, it was never like a clean finish. So I guess the next one was one of those because the WCW International Championship, I don't even remember this one, recruit yeah, well, defeating Ricky Flair by disqualification. Well, okay. So like you, I was not familiar with the International Championship because when, uh, you know, when, uh, Rick Rude came out with what I recognize as the WCW heavyweight title because it was, you know, it was the big gold belt. So I'm like, okay, that's a heavyweight title. And then I got, I, and then I was informed otherwise by the commentators. So I, I paused the thing because I was very confused and I, I, I looked it up. Apparently, the international uh, championship was a very short lived. Um, championship from a fictitious uh, subsidiary of WCW called, incidentally called WCW International. And uh, it only lasted from like 93 to 94. And in that time, there were eight champions before it was unified in a match between uh, Ric Flair and... uh, Oh God, who 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 was it? Let me let me look it up real quick. I I can look it up really fast because I have it in my history. Hold on. Um. Seven because uh, if if there if there's some no actually uh it's kind of weird because uh, the same uh, person won the title twice like for most yeah because that was that was Ric Flair and then and then it was it looks like it was unified in a match uh, between uh, Ric Flair and Sting yes yeah, so like, I believe it was four champions they have. Rick Flair, Rick Rude, Sting, and Hiroshi Hase. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm seeing too. And um, Rick Rude had it the most with 202, and the rest of it wasn't even uh, wasn't even close. Okay. Um. So, uh, so one once again, I was very I was very confused with this, and it and this shows my age because I I mean I, I mean I was like. Wait a minute, why are they calling it the international title? That's the heavyweight title. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, sure sure enough, I was I was I was proven incorrect and I was kind of pissed off. All right, Ben, it's time to spin the wheel. Yes. 
And this then uh, on this spin, it lands on Texas Deathmatch, and Vader defeats Cactus Jack. So I once again I looked up some of the rules to a Texas Deathmatch because I'd heard of them, but I'd never actually seen one. Okay. And I was I was confused because it's like okay, well this is a last man standing match. Okay. Uh, um, so, uh, I originally I thought it was just a fancy name, you know, Texas Deathmatch. But then, then I kind of got into it as it was going along because it was Cactus Jack versus uh, versus Vader. But you know, which so this was probably the most compelling match of, of the evening. Um, but you know, it's just. This pay-per-view just didn't land for me. Like, you know, because for me personally, whenever I don't know something that's wrestling related, like I always have to stop and like look something up because it bothers me when I don't have like knowledge of something that I feel like I should have knowledge of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but even, even away from that, I just found this pay-per-view to be very strange given the amount of talent that was on the show that I that I was very familiar with and yet it, yet it didn't seem like a decent show and I was very confused but then come to find out in ni- 1993 WCW kind of sucked and it was and the way that I read it was, you know, 1993 and 1999 were similar years in terms of quality, and I was like, yikes. You know, because 1999 into 2001, it was just like, how do you get lower than that? I mean, what the fuck? But, you know, but my, my, pro- my problem mostly with this match is that or mostly with this card is that it seemed irrelevant, which seemed very misplaced given the talent involved. So. All right. So that is a review of Halloween Havoc 93. Ben, next week is Halloween. We are not doing a time warp because I just looked uh, up uh, the pay-per-views that took place on that day. And there's mostly Old Japan, Pride and uh, WBE preview that we shall not uh, name. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm sure you already know which one I'm talking about. Uh, no, it is it's escaping my my uh, brain, but I'm it sure. Was you way, it was one of the disgusting ones that took place outside of the U.S. Oh, so one of the English ones. No, like it's um, one of the one of the crown jewel ones. Oh, oh, okay. No, yeah. okay. We don't. We, okay, we don't have to discuss that. No. No, that's why next week there will be no time warp. We will be back the following week. Actually, uh, can you do me something real quick? Well, actually, no. I'll do. I'll do it myself. Uh, since it's. Uh, the beginning of November, count seven days, November 7th. Let's take a look at what we have. All right, so. Uh... Oh, oh, um, ooh. 
We have quite some interesting ones. All right, shoot. What you got? First of all, well, well there are a couple of uh, TNAs. There's Turning Point 2010, One Night Only Knockout, Knockouts, Knockdown, and Victory Road 2004. There's an, a couple of NJPW ones. Then there's ECW November to Remember 99. And there's a WWF Wrestling Classic 1985. Let's do um, ECW November to Remember. 99. Let's take a look at what the main event on that show was. Because we, I mean, I just, we don't do, we don't do ECW too much on this show. So, so the main event on that pay-per-view was Rhino, Just Incredible, and Lance Storm versus Raven, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman. Oh, Ra Raven and Tommy Dreamer are on the same side. Now I have to watch it. <laughs> All right, so that's our uh, that's our next time warp in two weeks. Yes, and we will uh, we will be back uh, next week with our Hell in a Cell reaction show. And my God, do they need to uh, bounce back from last year's offering because of Jesus Christ. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll have a new picture to scare the hell out of my co-host. I, I mean, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, I, after last year, I would almost, I, I would almost recruit this guy, uh, the current monster you're showing me to help me cancel Hell in a Cell permanently. So they have a lot to bounce back from, and I don't have high hopes because we have three Hell in a Cell matches. What the <laughs> hell are these people doing? So with that being said, um, I don't hold high hopes for the pay-per-view tomorrow, but as always, ladies and gentlemen, you should hold high hopes for the quality of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. So... Uh, Without too much further ado, I will bid you adieu for the evening. This has been the man that's always piercing barriers. He's the gentleman, sometimes known as Elio Canella, most times known as the Piano Man. And we will see you next week. All right, fans. Talk to you then. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for You've been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore Taking your breath, stealing your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Your feet 